Let's bring Pete on right now. Pete Zayas, of course, you know him at, at Laker Film Room, uh, does just great work uh, breaking down what the Lakers are doing and, you know, I, I'm sure is pulling all of his available Frank Vogel clips uh, to get ready for some super informative stuff for Lakers fans. Pete, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Love being on. Thanks so much for having me, guys. All right. So I'll get to the question I was going to ask, you know, the stuff we were talking about with, uh, with Ohm and some of the assistant coaches. Once you here point in a out that you're listening to KSP in Los Angeles. Thank you. And so we'll get to that in a second. But the first one is, you know, we know Frank Vogel had a really strong defensive profile in Indiana. Uh, five years, all five were top 10 defenses a couple times. He was number one, uh, number three another year. What principles was he using? What was he doing that made him uh, so strong, his team so strong on that end? Those teams were really good at building around the really growing idea at the time of not wanting to give up layups and three-point shots. So forcing those lower, not percentage, but those lower point-yielding shots, those contested twos that really everyone preaches now, they were really ahead of their time in that respect. Now, they had a, an assistant coach, and they still do under Nate McMillan, named Dan Burke. And Burke is one of the more respected defensive minds in the NBA. Vogel's defense did not translate as much to Orlando, so it does beg a bit of a question how much of that was Burke versus Vogel. But that was really, they were at the forefront of that type of defense. When, when you look at offensively the way Indiana would often get sluggish, what did you see in terms of what was causing that? And do you, how much concern do you have that that would end up translating over with the Lakers? Obviously, the caveat being we don't know who's going to be the entirety of his staff. Sure. So there's a great quote from Vogel toward the end of his tenure. He said, I've had to unlearn a lot of what I believed in with offensive spacing because of the way the league plays today. And I think that that really speaks to some of the struggles that he had toward the end of that. And even in Orlando, where he... You know, just the spacing concepts were a little bit behind the times even for then. He tried to improve that and did improve that a bit in Orlando, but he didn't quite have the personnel as that was a roster that didn't have a whole lot of outside shooting, which the Lakers struggle with as well. So his set plays can take they're, – they're not bad. He's got a lot of good motion, off-ball action but they take a while for them to get into it. And in the modern NBA, ideally you want to be able to put on three or four attacks on, on the basket, if option A doesn't work out, you go to your second option, and so on and so forth. A lot of times, he was getting to that first action with like nine or ten seconds left on the shot clock, and there isn't that much time to get to the next piece of it. When you combine that with his affinity for having two bigs on the floor that weren't spacing the floor, uh, you led to some sluggishness. It's interesting. We're talking Pete Zayas uh, at Laker Film Room. Uh, you, you just you ought to be following him and ought to be following his stuff if you want to learn about what the Lakers are doing and just the NBA and how basketball works generally. How much can we kind of project what Frank Vogel is going to look like and what this team is going to look like, how the, how the Lakers are going to play until we see what happens after July 1? Yeah, guys, the Lakers need shooting. There's no way around it. The only offense in the NBA that can really thrive without having outside shooters beyond the three-point arc has been the Spurs, really. And that's, there's so much continuity there, and the Lakers are on the absolute opposite end of that spectrum. So, yeah, it's hard to know what he's going to do. He has that reputation defensively, and I think he'll be good for the young guys. That's one element of him. He had a really strong player development angle, like, Paul George got a lot better under him. Roy Hibbert, Lance Stevenson. 
that that could possibly translate to the Lakers' young guys. He's got a good history in that respect. But in terms of what it's going to look like, you're absolutely right. We've got to know who, who's on the team. That Actually, I, I was going to ask you about that with the, the player development because we had talked about that earlier, Brian and I. Wh- which of the young guys in particular are you intrigued to see how that development may come around with Vogel there? Kyle Kuzma. He is very big on preaching individual responsibility on defense and having – really focusing on the parts to comprise the whole of a five-on-five. And he he wants to square up defensively on guys. He's really going to focus on individual defensive concepts. And if Kyle Kuzma does not improve his footwork defensively, Vogel's going to get on him. And I'm curious if that impacts Kuzma's playing time. But if Kuzma, Kuzma tends to rise to challenges. And if he rises to that challenge and an increased focus on the technical aspects of his footwork, he could really improve. And, and if he can become an adequate defender, he just becomes so much more valuable for this team. It's interesting you know, because, like, we, when you talk about Kuzma, Pete, he's not good at it, but it's not he's not unwilling to become good at it. So, I mean, I think that's a uh, part of what, what encourages you about this is it's – not everybody is going to be Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, but at the very least, you need a guy with interest in improving on that side. And I don't think there's zero sign that that Kuzma isn't willing to put in the work. That's right, and he does have he does have a natural talent on the defensive end, and that's chasing shooters around screens. I've often argued that he's a wing defender, and he's often been put in the position to be a big defender, and he just doesn't have enough in the back pocket to be able to do that. And when you combine that with his propensity to hop around and kind of get lost on help side defense. He was just not put in the best position defensively. And I thought Luke did a good job mainly uh, on the defensive end. But that was one of the, the flaws and complaints that I had with Luke defensively is I thought he made Kuz a, a big that he really isn't. Uh, we were talking uh, on the podcast a couple days ago, uh, Brian and my podcast, when we had you on, um, when Jason Kidd was at that point rumored to be a contender for head coach, you had said uh, you were not going to make any Jason Kidd films. This was your sideways, I'm not drinking any bleeping Merlot moment. You were taking that stand with Kidd. Um, one a two-part question. First of all, what do you think in terms of the narrative or the thought process that Kidd could be an influence, a good one, on Lonzo in particular? And then what do you think of Kidd being added to the staff in general? So, Regarding Lonzo, obviously there are similarities in their game stylistically. And if you listen to players that coached Kid, now there are mixed quotes on this, but they generally speak of him with a degree of reverence. It's been reported even, you know, LeBron thinks very highly of him. He was somebody that Kobe thought highly of. And if you think, talk about the young guys in Milwaukee, Giannis has said that he has been influential in developing him as the player that he is. When you read between the lines on a lot of what they say, it's more of a mentality type of thing. And I do think that Lonzo could use help in that respect of being more assertive. When Lonzo's at his worst, he can kind of drift out there. And I don't think Kid will allow that. In terms of him being added to the staff, it's my single biggest concern about this dynamic. He's got a history of plotting and scheming. He, you know, led a mutiny against Lou Campanelli at Cal in 94, against Byron Scott in the early 2000s. And, you know, he had some unpleasantness with Lawrence Frank, tried to execute a power play with the Nets. He ended up getting traded as a coach from the Nets to the Bucks. There's just so much, like, Frank Vogel's a solid coach. They need to let him 
coach and do his thing. I want the people on his staff to be rowing in the same direction as him. And Jason Kidd being on the staff gives me a lot of concern in that respect. He's not a same direction rower. Well, unless unless they just all row in Kidd's direction. Right. He doesn't like rowing in the same direction. <laughs> he doesn't do that. Like, like, who's at the front of the boat? <laughs> That's what really matters. Maybe he'll just be the coxswain and just row, row. I don't know. But uh, all right. So Pete is at Laker Filmer. Uh, one more for you, Pete. You know, let's let's pretend like, we we have you know a good idea of what Frank Vogel is, uh, at least what what he's been in Indiana and and things like that. Pretend you're Rob Palinka, and so I will expect you to make either biblical references or philosophical or, or you know quote some poetry here. What do you target then, knowing what you know about the staff that they're putting together and the type of team that they might be under Frank Vogel? Who are the guys that you really would try to target? Um, you know, the the types of players that might be out there, uh, both in the draft and in free agency that you think might fit best with what they're building here? I don't think Vogel changes what they need. They need guys who can shoot and defend their position. Uh, the experiment of having multiple ball handlers last year, it, it's difficult to execute. And especially with when you look at Lonzo and Brandon, they are not pull-up three-point shooters off of ball screens right now. And without getting too deep in the weeds on this, if your ball handler cannot pull up and shoot a three, your big needs to be able to pop out beyond the line. Or else defenses can run a drop coverage, which basically neutralizes a lot of your ball screen game. So they're big. Like I've been you know, really getting into the college tape recently. There's a big named uh, Goga Batatse, who I really like, who's a you know, stretch five. Who doesn't? <laughs> Yeah. He's been on my radar for Andy a while. Andy and I are longtime go-guides. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, they, they need shooters and guys who can defend their position. You don't need to complicate this too much with LeBron. Even if the Lakers are successful in free agency, get a, a Kawhi, Kyrie, any of the other guys out there, they need guys who can shoot and space the fourth for LeBron. And Vogel doesn't change that to too, too much of an extent. All right, Pete Zayas at Laker Film Room. Uh, be on the lookout for all the stuff that you will be producing over the course of the next few days if you want to learn about Frank Vogel, because I'm sure it's coming, right, Pete? That's right. No, Not a lot of sleep coming up, especially with the uh, lottery coming up on Tuesday. All right, very good. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's when the Lakers get Zion, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, Kuz is going to work his magic. If they get Zion, it means I don't have to learn who this Goga fellow is, and so I'm excited about that because um, I think he might. It also have, means it's rigged. I think he might have. <laughs> That's made, also what it really. It's means. It's not impossible. Pete just made that guy up, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Pete. We appreciate it.